0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au.
1: Last week I began a series in, uh, on refilling your tank. and We started with the very first four out of the life of one of the great men of God of the Bible, perhaps one of the greatest, Elijah. And it was out of Elijah's darkest moment. And if you remember from last week, we spoke about the first key is pace. Because it's a journey. It's not a tap. You just turn on. It's not a switch with an on and off. God wants to refill your tank, but that may take some time. Then we spoke about people. The fact that as soon as God began to move in this man's life, He started reconnecting him. That's why things like Metro Life Tonight, that's why the New People's Brunch next week is so important because we begin to make room in our life for others. Many people over the last couple of years have begun to make their circles smaller. And I believe that if you want to refill your tank, you've got to start making room for others in your life. The third thing was to have a fresh perspective on your life and what's happening around about you. You remember Elijah said, I'm the only one. And yet God said, well, actually, there's another 7,000 beside you, which is a not insignificant number and should tell you how easy it is to get blind to what's really going on around about. The fourth one we said was to prophesy, pace people, perspective, prophesy, which simply means to declare a great future for your life. Now today I'm going to take you to the life of another great leader and then an anonymous woman. And we're going to get out of them another couple of tips for you. As you leave this morning, I've printed them all on this card. And I'd love you to take it because I think we all need a reminder in this time we're in of how to get our tank refilled. It's easy to have built habits that deplete you rather than habits that fill you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for today. Thank You, Holy Spirit, that You know us intimately and You're able to light the very thing that we personally need right now in this season we're in. So I pray for every man, woman and child. I pray for every person, whether they know you closely or feel like they're a long way off, I pray that today you're going to help every one of us. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for your truth. We lean into you today to hear what you've got to say for us. In Jesus' Name, Amen, Amen. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. It says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked it and burned it with fire. They'd taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. David and his men come back to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives, their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Watch this. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept. David is not impervious to this. He might be the leader. He might be called of God. He might be strong. He might have seen God do great miracles in his past. But at this moment, all of a sudden, all of that means very little in terms of his own emotion. They lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. They are spent. They are depleted like they've never been in their life. And David's two wives, the the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now, on top of that, David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grief. Listen to me. Sometimes people will say and do things that are out of character for them. And that comes out of pain or out of a depleted state, or out of grief, or out of Disappointment, And sometimes you've got to be wise enough to not react to what that person said or did because maybe it really wasn't about you. Maybe it's about them. David was distressed. They spoke of stoning him because the soul of every man was grieved for his sons and his daughters. Now watch this. This has got to be the greatest uh, leadership characteristic, the greatest human characteristic Uh, initiative that I know of from any person ever is this one. It says, But David strengthened. The King James Version says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. They're empty until they've got no more tears left to cry. David feels abandoned by the very people that he has saved and he's led. In other words, these are people that Literally, owe David everything they have, their safety, their, their families, their, their resources, what they have, all because of this one man. When they came to him, the Bible says they were in debt, distressed and discontented. David's turned them, as it says in First Chronicles, into an army like the army of God. And yet in that point, these people are so depleted that they go, let's kill the leader. It's his fault that we are where we are. And yet in the midst of all of that, David does something. Now, let's watch this, because many of us would get to that point and immediately start going to God saying, why has this happened? What's going on? Well, you know, what are you going to do about this? But David doesn't rush into asking God for an answer that he can't hear. Sometimes, listen to me, sometimes if you are depleted, if your tank is empty, sometimes God could be speaking so loud and you won't hear anything because your emotional volume has turned up so loud you could not hear the whisper of God. That was what happened to Elijah. The Bible says that God came in the earthquake and God came in the fire and, and every single time the volume of Elijah's unemotional distress has turned up so high that he says to God, I wish I was dead. Why don't you take my life? The emotional volume was so high that he says, I'm the only one left. And finally, after he exhausts his argument with God, God comes in a still small voice and Elijah can hear for the first time. And then he goes out from there. There's wisdom in this passage that tells us Before you come to God with how come and why and what next, begin to strengthen yourself in the Lord your God. And then the answers that you hear are going to help you as they did for David. So let's have a look and dig into this a little bit. See what David did that began to refill his tank. The end of the story is, and I'll tell you the end right now, that they go after God speaks to him and says, go and overtake them for you shall without fail recover everything. But you know, when, they, when God told them that, they never just got back what they'd lost. Listen to me. They never just got back what they'd lost because the Bible says that the Amalekites had been raiding the Philistines. And so they'd gathered a whole mess of spoil. They'd got booty, if you like. They'd got all the treasure from all these other cities that they would be So when David goes, God says, watch this, David. I'm not just going to give you back what you lost. I'm going to give you back what you never even had in the first place. I'm going to start to give you more than what you had. I'm going to bring more than enough. Amen. How many people can say He's the God of more than enough? I'm not just asking God, God, bring back the few, bring back the little, bring back what I had before. I believe God wants to bring back an abundance into your life. But the key to it all is, God, I need my tank filled, filled so that I can hear you and filled so that I can obey you. Come on. Now you can either sit there or be there in that situation. Just go, well, you know, life just sucks. and So I may as well. Well, Crying for your mama and hoping that life will get better or else you can start to do what David did and you can start to say, God, it's up to me to start filling my tank. Here's the fifth thing, because we've already done the first four. First one from David though, is David recalls what God's done in the past. I don't care how little you have, can look back in your history. I'm here to tell you that if you are born again, you've heard God. If you are born again, you've already received the greatest gift you'll ever get in all of your life. And that's eternal life. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12 says, This is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life, has eternal life. Amen. And so I know that I've already received it. I'm not waiting to die to get eternal life. I have eternal life. I just keep walking in it. And one day about 60 years from now, I will step out of this mortal body and out of this magnificent chariot that has carried me thus far. And I will step over in the same eternal life that I have right now here in 2022. And I'll step out of this mortal body and I'll immediately be in eternity like Enoch was. Enoch walked in with God and he was not because God took him. He was in a place where one minute he was there and the next minute he was somewhere else. Amen. Woo! No wonder about heaven. It's there for you in Jesus' name. David recalls what God has done. Psalm 42, listen to it, verse 5. Verse 6 Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Saviour, my God. Now I'm deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar. He says, God, I look over all my travels and I see your hand. I'm very sure that every one of us here could look back over our life. My father used to sing a song when I was a kid. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And I've got a friend of mine who keeps what he calls a blessing book. And he writes those things down. I know that for me, most nights as I put my head on the pillow, I lay there and I and I begin to say, God, thank you for this today. And thank you for that today. And thank you for your help in that today. Do you know what I'm saying? You begin to recall the things God has done. And I'm very sure that every one of us, if we really start thinking about it, we'll discover there's a very, very long list. David recalls what God has done. Secondly, or number six, David rehearses God's promises. He rehearses the promises of God. Psalm 119 verse 49, David said this, Remember your promise to me. It is my only hope. Amen. You know, Sometimes you just need to begin to declare this is what God said about your life, amen. One of the reasons why in this church we, we encourage and believe in the gift of prophecy and the spirit of prophecy is because we want people to hear the promises of God for their life, amen. And God's got more for you to come than what you've already got. It doesn't matter how much blessing you have. It's not like God goes, well, that's enough. Be satisfied. But you can have even more. And you can see God do even more. He recalls, then He rehearses the promise of God. Number seven is you've got to reevaluate your inputs. There's a powerful Psalm 13 verse 2 that many, many years ago I remember reading it and beginning to realise that in my life some of my emotions came out of what I was dwelling upon. Psalm 13 verse 2 says this, it says, how long will I have sorrow in my heart meditating on my, in my soul daily? How long am I going to have this negative thing in there? And then he says, well, it's because that's what I'm dwelling on the whole time. Reevaluate your inputs. Change the input. All you computer people should know this. What was the old thing? I don't think they even say it anymore. Gigo. Garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you put in is what you're going to get out the other end. Change the input and change the outcome. I want you to watch a video that I filmed this week. Have a look at it and then I'll come back and talk about it. Imagine that this tumbler of water here represents the emotional tank of your life. And you can see it's got a lot of great stuff that's in there. But then along comes some of the negative things of life. Maybe it's discouragement. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, loneliness or some other thing like that. And uh, maybe despair something like that that starts to get into your life. And all of a sudden, this things in there and you go, but I really want to get rid of that. What most of us do is something like this. We start trying to get that out of our life. But, you know, it takes almost forever. And even when you do it, you, you end up losing some of the other good stuff. It's, it's just not working at all. It seems like no matter what you do, there's still some of that left in there. But you know, the Bible gives us a key. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, for instance, says this. It says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing. You can take a lot of energy and a lot of time trying to get the oil out, or else you can simply do this, which is start to fill up your life with all the good things of God. And you'll be amazed that after you do that for just a little bit, hey, presto, all the oil's gone. Not because you focused on the negative and tried to get it out, but because you began to fill your life with the good things, with hope, with joy, with peace, with an awareness of others. Thank you to my daughter, Rebecca, for that illustration. Uh, but think about it a second. Just put, Can we put up the last frame? Can we put that up? I just want to point something right. out to you. With- We'll have a look at this here in a minute, because when the oil's on the top, what do you see? It's the oil, isn't it? And lots of times, when we get depleted, all we can see is our, our our bad emotions, our negativity. All we can see are how we feel, how hopeless it looks, how despairing it might appear to be. And a lot of times, we start going, "Oh God, take away my worry. Oh God, take away my anxiety." Oh God, I feel so lonely. Oh God, take away my loneliness. God, I hate feeling. Oh God. And we focus so much on that. Listen to that verse again, Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you. Not take out. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in what? In hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 12, verse 21. here's another one for you. I can give you probably 20 verses like this. Here's another verse that says, "Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good." Listen to me, I've counseled many people over the years who were so locked into their fear, so locked into their despair, so locked into their sense of no, no point to anything. And they kept on praying every day, oh God, let this be a day where I don't have it. And they walk around all day focused on that. And I said, how about we pray together and we start believing for peace in your life. And I'm not gonna ask you next week when I see you, I'm not gonna ask you how you're going. Did you have a winning day on Monday? Was Tuesday a good day? We're just gonna begin to pour in the good stuff. And I've never had one of those people ever that didn't see dramatic and substantial, significant change in their life. That's why I want to encourage you. You can go back onto YouTube. You can hear these messages again. Uh, I know Kurt Kenderesi every single week uh, turns these messages into a podcast. So for those of you who want to listen to it while you're in your car, you go to our website. You can download it right there and you can hear it again. And that way then you can start to let this start to you. Our problem is many of us, we've got that oil on the top of the glass and just about all we do is we keep getting more oil on it. We read more of the paper and we hear more of the social media and we hear more stories about what's going wrong in the earth. And then we wonder why we feel like we can't breathe because we're drowning in oil. Just a thought. Reevaluate your inputs. Here's number eight. If you want to fill your depleted tank, raise your spirits. Raise your spirits. I want to read uh, verse 8 of 1 Samuel 30 to you. says this, So David inquired of the Lord. This is after he's encouraged himself. David inquired of the Lord saying, Shall I pursue this troop and shall I overtake them? He could have stopped and said, Lord, would you just send them back? Would you send out the angels and make it happen? God, would you bring those things back to me? But he begins to raise his sights and he begins to re-engage with vision. Listen to me. If you want to raise your sights, you do it. So if you want to raise your spirits, you do it by raising your sights. If you want to raise your spirits, are you tired of being tired? Are you tired of being low? Are you tired of being flat? Well, sitting at home and hoping that somehow or other God will send an angel. May not be the way out of it. Maybe it's time to raise your sights. Instead of, oh God, why? It's too hard, it's too late. Verse, 1 Samuel 30 verse 16 says, They got back, as I told you before, not only what had been taken from them, but they got all the other spoil that those Amalekites had begun. They never realised they were gathering for the people of God. What if in the year 2022, what if what God's got in store for you is not just to get you back to square one, What if what God's got in store is just a... Everyone's talking about when life goes back to normal. But what if God's not looking at normal? What about if what God's looking for is something better than normal? Amen. I don't want to go back to to 2019. I've already been there. Wasn't that amazing? Amen. I want to go on. Amen. I want to go on to the bigger and the better and the greater and the stronger, the more blessed, the more abundant. I want to go into all that God has there. And you will raise your spirits if you raise your sights. Amen. That's great preaching, Jeff. You're flogging it today. It's amazing, incredible. So there you go. That's pace, people, perspective, prophesy, recall, rehearse, reevaluate, raise your spirits. But for the last one here, let me take you to a little lady whose name you don't even know. I gave you the two famous guys and their story incredible, but in 1 Kings 17, verse 8. It says this uh, about, again, Elijah, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, dwell there. See there, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now watch this. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. she said, Yes, I've been expecting you. I knew you were coming. I'm ready. I've baked it. Here it is. But it doesn't say that at all. She actually says this to him. As your Lord lives, I don't have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in the jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. This woman's absolutely at the end of her tether, as we say here. She's absolutely depleted. And instead of God saying, you know what? I want you just to just have a peaceful end. God says, I'm sending somebody. You don't even know they're coming. You've got to get this this morning. Because so many of us, when we get depleted, we shut down. We just want to look after me. It's all about me. It isn't fair. I don't know the rest of the words. and I don't even care. And so we get into that place And it becomes about us. Listen to me. God's answer for this woman was to send. God's answer for this woman. Are you with me? God's answer for this woman was to send someone to her with a need. Come on. You're down. You're depleted. You don't want to help anybody. All you want is leave me alone. I'm going to just make a little bit of bread. I'm going to give it to my son. Then we're going to go and curl up in the corner and die. That's what her her thought is. And God says, I'm sending someone to you. But you know, when, she, when Elijah turns up, he doesn't look like the man of God with an answer. She doesn't know anything about what he's going to declare and prophesy. All he looks like to her is another demand on her already depleted self. Are you getting this this morning? Because sometimes when you're empty, God sends someone to you that needs comfort. And you go, forget them. What about me? It isn't fair. And we go, oh God, what am I supposed to do? Listen, sometimes God's answer for your depletion is for you to become a part of the answer for someone else. Despite the way you feel. Despite your lack. Verse nine, sorry, number nine. She serves. She takes what she has and she goes and does it. Verse 15, she went away, did according to the word of Elijah. She and her household ate many days. The bit of flour wasn't used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. She serves others. This is different to the other ones. Where I make room for others, this one's a different others. This is not others that may help me. This is me helping someone else. Oh, come on. Talk to anyone in this church that's become a volunteer in any area and ask them, you know, isn't it great that you help others? And they'll all say to you the same thing. Oh, I get so much more out of it. I have a joy. I feel like, you know, it's the highlight of my week. She serves others. Number 10, the last one, if you want to fill your depleted tank, is you've got to sow. The key to this story really is in verse 13. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. Because, you know, it's always easy to give out of your extra. Well, I got a few extra coins, I can throw them in. But God says to this woman, when you are depleted, it's the priorities that matter the most. Go and make me a small cake first. What out of my little? You want me to give away what I've got? I haven't got much. God says, if you do that, I'm going to pour out an abundance and a blessing into your life that you will never, ever be able to even deal with. Imagine what this woman was like when all of her neighbourhood, she was the luckiest, blessed, most fortunate woman in the whole community. She looked the poorest. She looked the weakest. She looked the worst off. But she ended up becoming the person that was the most blessed. Think about that. And When I come, to said, what did you do? She said, well, I didn't have anything. I was about to die. But God told me, He said, if you'll begin to serve others and if you'll sow into the life of others, I'll pour out blessing. The truth is that self-absorbed and self-focused people seldom see their tank refilled. Oh, Pastor, pray. Oh, God, pray. Take this off me. And when I say to them, why don't you go and volunteer and hope? Oh, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm, I, I need help. I go, yeah, but find somebody else that needs it. Amen. I'm not trying to put a load on you. You can't carry it. I'm just saying, find a way. Maybe it's not hope. Maybe it's some other thing. Maybe you're just going to go over to one of your neighbours and say, look, I made some scones. If you need a recipe, Margaret, yeah, what's her name? Flo Bionki-Peterson. Pace, because it's a journey. People... Because we're meant to include others. Perspective, because none of us see things the way they really are. Prophesy, because God's given you a spirit of faith that can begin to declare something great. Recall what God's done. Rehearse the promises of God. Reevaluate your inputs. Raise your spirits by raising your sights. Serve others and sow into others' life in Jesus' name. The card's there for you. You'll get one as you go. I pray you'll take it. I'll I'll have one. It'll be in my car. And as I stop at the traffic lights, I'm going to pull that up and have a quick look. Not too long a look that I forget that the lights turn green and get tooted by the person behind me. Or seeing Rhonda's not here with me at the moment, she says, you can go now, dear. I go, because I'm a man, I go, yeah, I knew that. I was just giving them time. What a beautiful thing it is to serve God, amen. I've often said that your worst day as a Christian is better than your best day as an unbeliever. Why could I say something like that? Well, partly because I've lived it. Partly because no matter how deep the valley was, Jesus was there. He's the lily of the valley. Amen. He said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. And so I think that having Christ in your life has got to be like hello. God, hands down, the greatest thing any human ever does. I pray today that there's a hunger for God in your life. I pray that you're not just someone dabbling around the edges of philosophy and religion, wondering about the great mysteries of the earth. I pray you're someone going, I want to know God. If you've never given your life to Christ, you can begin the journey. It's the beginning of a journey. It's not all the journey. But the beginning of the journey is saying yes to Jesus. So easy to do that. I'd love to pray with you right now. You can say to Jesus today, Lord, I'm sorry. I haven't walked with you, but I want to begin walking with you. I want you in my life. Then once we've prayed the prayer, you can text your yes through to the number that's up there on the screen in front of you. You can send it via email if that's your preference. If you're with us on the MetroChurch.Online platform, the yes button's there for you. And then after that, we'll send you a prayer at a Bible verse every day different for 30 days just to get you started, to help you. Give your yes to Jesus today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for those people right now that they've been like people looking at in the shop window, thinking I love what's in there, but I don't know how I'd ever get it. Jesus, today You're speaking to their heart and saying, I'm there and I'm ready. I want to come into Your life. I just need Your Yes. So Lord, when they give their yes to You and say, come into my life, begin to lead me, begin to take me forward into all that You have for me. Lord Jesus, we surrender to You today. We say a massive thank You for Your death on the cross and for all that it means for our salvation. Thank You for those people, Lord. We pray for them. They'll continue a great journey with You in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Pastor Bruce is going to come and lead us around communion this morning. Thank you, Bruce.
0: Well, what a great part of the service that we get to do now, which is having communion together. And if you're online, uh, please, you're welcome to join us. So maybe just uh, head off to your pantry and uh, uh, grab some uh, small piece of bread or a cracker or something and some juice and some water and uh, join us in a moment. And so host team, thank you. Uh, You can begin serving us. So for Everyone in the building, just please hold on to the emblems for a few moments, the bread and the juice, uh, so that we're all served and then we can all eat together. But in this and I always love communion. It's always a special thing that we do and I like that we give it the prominence and the significance that we do because it is an amazing thing. It, it takes us back to the point of our salvation. You know, Pastor Jeff, in the beginning of his message, he talked about the fact that If we accept Jesus into our heart, then we have already received eternal life. Well, all of that happens because of his sacrifice on the cross. And these elements of communion take us back to that. And if that wasn't as significant enough, I just love how Jesus showed us about this, how he explained this to us. So um, if you're not familiar with it, here's a passage from the book of Matthew, chapter 26, and verses 26 to 27. This is Jesus giving the first communion. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it. Did you hear that first part? As they were eating, they were already together. Demonstration of the power of coming together for a common purpose. The the power of coming together as fellow believers in Christ. These were his disciples. This wasn't a crowd. Jesus could have done this communion anywhere anywhere with his disciples, side of a mountain with all crowds, but he did it in a special environment where everyone was gathered together for a common purpose. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you. What an amazing thing that Jesus chose that time of togetherness, that time of being connected with one another to disclose, I suppose, what was to come. He was foretelling his broken body being the sacrifice for our eternal life. He was foretelling the shared blood that was required as a sin offering for all of us. This is such an amazing, powerful thing that we get to do. Let's take these emblems. And let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this time that we get to come come together as a church family, Lord. Gathered in the building, online, and maybe people joining us online afterwards. But they're here with you. They're hearing me pray this prayer right now. And Father, we thank you for the togetherness that you placed inside of our heart. We thank you for the prominence and the significance of that. And of course, Lord, we thank you for these emblems that speak about your sacrifice and why you did it, Jesus, to give us eternal life, to wash away our past, to wash away our sin. Lord, we are so grateful we can never repay you other than giving our lives to you and to serve you. So, Lord, this morning, as we come to you, we thank you for that. We appropriate it, we apply it into our lives, and we thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's eat and drink. while we're together, why don't we just worship for a few moments. We need a
2: fresh wind The fragrance of heaven Pour your spirit out